0: Well, fundamentally, uh, you know, transnational organized crime are innovators and, and they've always used technology to do their business. But I think with the acceleration of tech, uh, particularly cryptocurrencies, um, online marketplaces, and uh, recently even AI, we're seeing that uh, criminals are adopting this. Uh, in essence, to 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 uh, innovate their businesses and to push into new business lines. Um, so we've seen this most particularly when it comes to money laundering, uh, and now recently with these scams and these casinos, which are fundamentally operating as banks in the region, uh, basically operating to allow tr- uh, criminal transactions to move in and out seamlessly from these kind of crypto wallets. Um, so this is this has uh, occurred very very fast.
1: And what technologies in particular are organized crimes, crime groups using?
0: Well, I mean, in, in particular, they're using, uh, uh, as I've described, they're using these, these cryptocurrencies, a variety of them, but there's really a couple that are very, very prominent. Um, at the same time, uh, they're using online marketplaces, both uh, clear web and dark web marketplaces uh, to move their commodities. They're using telegram groups. Uh, they're using different social media apps to, to uh, market their goods. Uh, to operate different businesses, traffic drugs, traffic human beings. So this is uh, they're they're adopting them all. But if you really look at the core of it all, it's about money. So it's those mechanisms that let them move value, big big value, very very fast, and that often means cryptocurrencies.
1: And how troubling is this development?
0: Well, it's really hard for uh, governments to understand, so it's it's troubling on many levels. But I think fundamentally the capacities of the organized crime groups are often far, far ahead of the capacities of the governments in the region, particularly certain low capacity uh, governments. Um, those that we would call LDCs, less developed countries. Uh, And we see criminal groups migrating operations to those countries to use their jurisdictions, to use the vulnerabilities, the lack of capacity that they see, and potentially other things in the country uh, that they can capitalize on, take advantage of. So, So it's very troubling because it's going to be a long period of catch up for these governments. At the same time, we don't have time to waste to catch up because the technology is advancing even further and it's accelerating the change and being used very innovatively by criminals. So that means that uh, we're losing time here.
1: So how have these uh, developments in technology changed the illicit businesses?
0: Well, it depends on the illicit business, but uh, for example, um, we've seen uh, online marketplaces for trafficking human beings. So we've seen people essentially sold, bought and sold online uh, in, you know, Facebook groups, uh, in dark web groups, even in Telegram groups, uh, I think the one where you can see it most most pronounced, um, though, is around the scam centers where people that are being trafficked have been forced into criminality. Um, so those innovations that I've described in cryptocurrencies and in uh, blockchain use and and other forms of of online marketplaces and money capture, um, those uh, businesses have, you see a kind of a convergence of crimes there. So you see human trafficked victims there that have been bought and sold online. You see crimes committed online by those people. Uh, You at the same time see money laundering taking place in a very, very innovative fashion within that this has fundamentally changed the nature of illicit businesses because it's accelerated them and has allowed them to expand and, and mushroom. Uh, the same is true of drugs, um, where we see drug monies moving in and fueling uh, money laundering uh, and the monies are growing. That allows for reinvestment into more drug production or into precursor chemical production. So it's really fundamentally changing the dynamic, but it's also allowing for expansion, almost a supercharging of illicit economies within the Mekong subregion.
1: How are criminal networks able to flourish with such impunity?
0: If you come back to where they actually do their business, then you can see how they're able to flourish. They're, they're basing operations in parts of the region that are autonomous or semi-autonomous, often in border areas, uh, far from major capital cities, uh, basically in places where the rule of law is incredibly weak uh or corruptible and in some extreme cases actually under the control of armed groups like in uh, northern myanmar so basically they're able to operate in these spaces where there is no rule of law or compromise rule of law and so they don't have anyone to step in and stop them so this is posing a distinct challenge for the uh, governments of the region, also even for the kind of regional group, the ASEAN group of states, uh, to address, because how do you confront something that is in a place you don't control?
1: And are authorities already adapting to the threat?
0: Well, it really depends. We have a region here of vast diversity, so we have some of the highest capacity states in the world within proximity of some incredibly low capacity uh, states. Um, So authorities, there's a range of types of adaptation taking place. Some are trying to protect themselves from this. Others are the places where the businesses are taking place and they're not really adapting to be honest, Um, in part because it's just so difficult to understand these crimes. And the the technologies you need to analyze and counter these crimes are very sophisticated and they're under-resourced to do it. So there's a knowledge gap, there's a technology gap on the government side that needs to be addressed quickly and resourced quickly. Uh, And on the other side, you have technology advancing and innovations advancing very, very fast. So they're not only playing catch up, but they're losing time uh, right now. So... Authorities are trying, we're trying to help, but clearly there's a long, long way to go before they're going to be ready to counter these things. And this is the troubling aspect. They're they're losing control of the situation in certain parts of this region.
1: But the will is there.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So what measures can be taken to tackle this issue and what is you know disease involvement?
0: First and foremost, we have to get states to, we have to help understand, help states to understand these crimes. Um, So we're doing analysis to understand it ourselves, to inform our thinking and our programming, Um, but also we have to help the governments to understand the challenges that they face. So over the past few years, we've been looking at the innovative ways governments have been using, uh, for example, casino architecture and gambling infrastructure to launder money in this region and we started that as part of a larger discussion with drug authorities of this region because a lot of drug money was being laundered and they really embraced that uh, work and they were very supportive of it. Um, But then we've seen it mature and and other types of crime converge with this. Um, So what we've been doing is getting states to the table to talk about the issue candidly. Um, We've had excellent conversations in one instance chaired by the governor of the Philippines with us. Um, They are the lead shepherd on trafficking persons, and through that we've agreed on a plan of action for ASEAN, the ASEAN Group of States, and China to address a range of elements of criminality. At the same time, we're talking with governments in Southeast Asia 101 about the capacity gaps that they have, uh, the needs that they have, and how we might help them. So we're having regional conversations to get to to the same page on a range of actions that, that we can take and support, and then working with each uh, where we think we can, uh, to help them.
1: What could happen if the issue is not addressed?
0: You know, this is a globalized crime now, because we have uh, criminal uh, actors in certain parts of this region, through technology, through the Internet, reaching other parts of the world. Uh, and if if the rule of law, the absence of rule of law and the places, the governance challenges of the places where these businesses are operating aren't addressed, then we're going to see these businesses continue to grow to metastasize to have global reach to have to to defraud people or worse on other parts in other parts of the world at the same time we're going to see the 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 crime grow and expand um, so and impact the region itself Um, and in some places uh, we're seeing the convergence of criminality and non-state armed actors uh, which are becoming very, very powerful as a result of the resources that they've been able to generate through this. So that, of course, brings with it a whole other whole nother dimension where we can see you know, a loss of control uh, in the region. So you know, we really need to make sure that this is addressed relatively quickly. Uh, we need to make sure this is addressed in a very holistic, strategic way, um, getting the states together again and, and agreeing very quickly on the actions to be taken and then, and then addressing the capacity gaps.